0: Take your Bibles if you will please and turn them with me to Matthew chapter number 27. I'm a music lover. I love good music and um, so very thankful for the Lord's blessing in giving us folks that are so talented to play and sing and lead us into the presence of God through praise and worship. It's such a blessing. Thank you all for that truly appreciate you. Um, I really love all types of music some of them I I don't listen to um, like I used to listen to them with the same passion and fervor but there are a lot of music that I like. I like country music I always have. I grew up on it and there may be some debate on the greatest country singer of all time but in my mind, in my opinion, there is no debate on the greatest country group of all time. Who said it, Alabama? <laughs> there you go. I don't think there's a whole lot of debate on that. Like I said, at least not in my mind, and I'm what from what I've already heard in the minds of others. And so, yeah, I think Alabama, by all um, accounts, is the greatest country band that's ever been. I mean, you just got to look at the numbers to see really where they're at. They had forty-one. Number one songs. 41. Think about that. 41 hits that rose to the top of the country charts. It's amazing the career they had. Great music. Great music. You remember some of the songs. Y'all remember Dixieland a lot? That's my favorite. I love Dixieland a lot. White-tailed buck deer, munching on clover. Red-tailed hawk, sitting on a limb. Chubby old groundhog, croaking bullfrog. Free as a feeling in the wind. Y'all remember that. What about, um, what about Tennessee River? I, that one got me going. I like Tennessee River. Tennessee River and what? A mountain man. We get together every time we can. I love that song. What about Song of the South? That's a good one. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. That's good stuff. Let me give you my, probably my all-time favorite, though. I really love this one. Uh, loving the First Degree. Do Y'all remember that one? I love that one. I, what I want to do this morning I'm going to begin a line in that song, and I want you to finish it, all right? Are you ready? I'm guilty of love in the first degree. Yeah, we all know that. Now, you say, Brother, what in the world does that have to do with the message this morning? Well, it has a lot to do with it. See, what I'm submitting to you this morning is that Jesus is guilty of love in the first degree as far as you're concerned. He truly is. He was on trial for a lot of things. He was on trial for uh, being someone who was trying to take the place of Caesar as king. And so uh, a lot of people say, well, because he's claiming himself to be king, that means he's coming against Caesar. So he needs to be tried and convicted. Some people said that uh, he was a liar. Some people said a lot of things about Jesus, and they put him on trial for it. But the only thing he was guilty of is loving you and loving me. That's all. He went through a mockery of a trial and was convicted, and then he even even died because of his conviction. But the truth is, he was innocent, dying for my sin and dying for your sin. This morning, we're going to look in Matthew 27 at what that means for us. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We are so very thankful for all your many blessings. Lord, we thank you for loving us like you have, for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And I'm asking you right now this morning, Lord, that you would again help us to be what you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. Lord, you know I am nothing, I know I am nothing, but I know that through you, by your power, we can do all things. Not in who we are, but in who you are. And Lord, I'm asking now that again you would move me behind the cross and use me. May I I preach as a dying man to dying people. Because Lord, that's what we all are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we continue on our road to the cross. We're leading right up to Easter when we celebrate the fact that Jesus finished the redemptive plan for all mankind at the cross. He was buried, then he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Can you say amen? We'll talk all about that next week. But right now, we're still on the road to the cross, and we find ourselves now uh, before Pilate. and and Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate giving the sentence of Jesus to being put to death. And so that's what I want to look at this morning, And, and we're going to start, first of all, in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 22. There's about four things that I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the question that must be answered, the question that had to be answered for Pilate, and the question that has to be answered for us. I want you to know that when you look to the story of Pilate, this is a perfect representation of our story and I can promise you by the power of the Holy Spirit and truth of the Word of God if you'll open your heart and open your mind this morning you will see yourself in this message in this story Matthew 27 starting in verse number 22 listen what Pilate said Pilate saith unto them what shall I do then with Jesus which is called the Christ now that is a question that must be answered by each and every one of us. First of all, it's the perfect question. It's the perfect question for me. It's the perfect question for you. And it's the perfect question that Pilate even asked himself What shall I do? What shall I do with Jesus? And listen to me, folks. I want you to know if you get this question right, well, then all is right. But if you get this question wrong, well, all is wrong. So this is a perfect question for you. It's a perfect question for me. And it's a question that I must answer and you must answer. That's my next point. Not only do I don't want you to see it's a perfect question, but it's also a very personal question. What does Pilate say? What shall I do? What shall I do? Now, there's some of you here this morning who would like to answer that question for someone else, I know that there are parents and grandparents, loved ones who are praying for those who are lost in their family, and and they would love to answer for someone else as to who Jesus is. But the truth is, we can't do that, can we? Pilate can't answer for someone else, and really nobody else can answer for Pilate. It's a personal question that he has to deal with. What shall I do? Now, listen to me, folks. It's a personal question that you must answer. I can't answer for you as your pastor. You can't answer for me. You can't answer for your mama, and your mama can't answer for you. I, years ago, I was talking to a man about Jesus, sharing my faith. Uh, with him and what Christ had done in my life and what the gospel means for all of us. And over and over again, he kept saying, now my mama was a, a great woman of God. She read the Bible seven times. And, and I said, man, that's great. I, it sounded like you were, were raised by a good mama. And they would go on talking about the Lord. And he'd get a little bit further into it, and, and he'd say, You know what? My mama was a good Christian woman, and boy, she taught us right. And she read through the Bible about seven times. And I'm, Man, that's great. I'm so glad that your mama was a good Christian woman. And, and then we'd go a little further, and three times during that conversation, he told me that his mama had read through the Bible seven times, and she was such a good Christian woman. Now, nothing wrong with that. I'm glad his mama was a good Christian woman. But how do you know God has no grandkids? You will never be saved because of your mama's faith. And you'll never be saved because of your daddy's faith. You have to make a personal decision to trust in Jesus. Listen, it's about what you do with Jesus. It's about what I do with Jesus. It's a personal question that no one else can answer. But now listen, this is also a question with purpose. It's a question with purpose because, listen, what I want to do for you this morning is just what happens with Pilate. I want to put Jesus right in front of you. I want to give you the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And then you must make your decision and answer your own personal question, what are you going to do with it? You say, well, Brother Israel, I want to tell you, I'm not going to make a decision today. Well, yeah, you really will. All of us in this room this morning will make a decision on what we do with Christ. We will. Whether you accept Christ or you reject Christ, we will all make a decision. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 30, Jesus says it like this. He that is not with me is against me. When you get a hold of the truth of who Jesus is and what Christ has done for you and you come face to face with Christ and you answer your question, if you choose to reject him, well, then you've made a choice. If you choose to accept him, then you've made a choice. And truly, that is the question that Pilate had to answer and the question that we have. It's a question with purpose. You'll see here as we read through Jesus was certainly on trial before Pontius Pilate but if you look deeper you're going to find out that Pilate was really on trial before Jesus. The one that's in control of this whole situation is Christ, and that's what always amazes me about the truth of the cross that is written down on the pages of Scripture. Not only do I want you to see the question that must be answered, but I want you to see Pilate's privileges and what he knew concerning Christ. First of all, Pilate was confronted face-to-face with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know Pilate knew of Jesus before Jesus came to Pilate? There's no doubt about it. You must remember that Pilate was the procurator of of the the, the region of Judea for the Roman Empire. He was the head man in charge. I mean, he said what was supposed to happen and what wasn't going to happen as far as Judea went. And Pilate had heard of this peasant preacher who was preaching about the kingdom of God and performing miracles everywhere he went. But now he didn't just hear about Jesus. Now Jesus is right there before him face to face he was confronted with Christ can I say something to you do you know that Jesus is right here in this place today do you know he's even closer than your next breath do you know he's not hiding from you listen this morning We all truly are confronted with the same Christ, the same Jesus. But not only was Pilate confronted. With Jesus, he was also confronted with his conscience. And this is one thing that that I want you to see here that's amazing. He was convicted concerning Jesus. And that's amazing to me. He was convicted concerning who Christ was. I mean, he really knew. Look in Matthew 27 and back up to verse number 18. Look what he says when Jesus is brought to him. Matthew 27, the 18th verse, For he knew that for envy they had all delivered him. Now what did Pilate know? He knew that all these charges that were made up against Jesus were just that. They were trumped up, made up charges. And he knew the real reason that the Jews were, brought Jesus to Pilate so that he could be persecuted and prosecuted was so that uh, they could have the power that they had always wanted and keep the power that they had. And so he said, it's for envy they've brought Jesus to me. That's what Pilate knew. His own conscience brought conviction concerning Christ. Now let me tell you something. I believe with everything in me this morning that Jesus is the light who lights the heart of every man in all the world. Let me tell you why I say that. John chapter 1 and verse number 9. Look what the Bible says there brothers. If you will please put that on the screen for me. He says this. And of his fullness have, excuse me, that was the true light which lighteth every man watch this now, that comes into the world. I want you to know that our own conscience truly declares who Jesus is just like Pilate's did. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, you know deep down that Jesus is the Son of God. You know deep down that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. Why? Because he's the light that lights every man. The Jesus or Pilate was convicted concerning Jesus because of his conscience. But now let me tell you something else. Pilate was convicted concerning Jesus because some very strong words were spoken unto him. Very strong words. Let's look at it. Let's look at what your Bible says. And I I love this right here. First of all, his conscience speaks. He says in verse 18, it was for envy that the Jews brought Jesus before him. But not only did his conscience speak to him, somebody that was very close to him spoke to Pilate. His wife. Look at verse number 19. Watch what the Bible says there. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Let me tell you how gracious and how good God truly is. Here you have a pagan, a Roman, who is sitting in judgment of the Son of God and God the Son. And the night before Jesus comes to Pilate, God, through his providence and omniscience, gives a dream to the wife of Pilate. Pilate then comes and tells, or excuse me, the wife of Pilate then comes to Pilate and tells about the dream. His conscience spoke concerning Christ, but then his very own wife spoke. Because of Christ. Do you see how God is doing everything he can to give to Pilate truth? That's amazing to me. You say, brother, what's that got to do with us? Well, that's got a lot to do with us. See, there are people in this room right now, people that are listening to us online right now, who have had people come to them and share Jesus. Share the truth. You've got loved ones who've prayed for you. You've got loved ones who've witnessed to you. You've, had, you've got loved ones and friends who have done everything in their power to get you to come to the realization that Christ is exactly who He says He is. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. They've done everything they can to set up roadblocks on your road to hell. They've done everything they can to teach you truth, tell you truth, And live truth in front of you that makes you want what they've got. They've done all of that. But the truth is, sometimes we close our ears to what's being said. We close our eyes to what's being seen. Pilate was convicted by his own conscience, but he was also convicted when his wife spoke to him. Let me give you a big one. Not only did Pilate have convictions concerning Christ because of his conscience and because those close to him, his wife, but now listen, he also had conviction concerning Christ because Christ himself spoke to Pilate. Now, I want you to get ready this morning with your Bibles, because we're not just going to stay here in the book of Matthew, but I want to share with you the other gospel messages concerning Jesus and how he went to the cross, his road to Calvary. So I want us to look in John chapter 18, starting in verse number 35. Look what Jesus says unto Pilate. Pilate. John 18 and the thirty-fifth verse, brothers, put that please for me. And I want to say something before I go any further. All you who work in the sound booth upstairs, and and, and you have to deal with me every week, praise God for you. I just spit stuff out all the time. I never give these guys anything, and they just go right to it, and they do it, uh, do it well. I'm so thankful for all of you who work in that. But, but look what it says there, John 18, verse number 35. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Look at verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. If you believe it, say amen. Notice something right here. And this is something that that I've noticed time and time again throughout the gospel messages. Anytime someone sincerely asked Jesus a question concerning the kingdom or the king himself, Jesus answered back with the utmost sincerity and gave that person the truth they were seeking. However, Anytime someone asked Jesus, not for the purpose of really knowing the truth, but for the purpose of tripping him up, many times Jesus would just answer their question with another question. You ever notice that? Go back and read how he dealt with the Pharisees who were always trying to trip him up. Who were always trying to catch him in something. Who didn't really want to know the truth, but were just trying to hinder what God was doing through his son on planet earth. And so what happened, Jesus would always just kind of answer them with the question, leave them more confused than when they started. I'm telling you, Jesus is cooler than the other side of the pillow, brothers and sisters. It's amazing how he does that. But when you've got someone who really wants to know, Jesus answers the question with sincerity. And that's what he does right here with Pilate. He says, look, that's why I came. I am the king. I do have a kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servant would fight, but it's not of this world. I came to bear witness of the truth, and the truth is what I'm giving you. It's what I have been given. So Jesus gave Pilate truth that Pilate was seeking for. Now, let me tell you something, folks. What we're reading right now in the pages of Scripture, I would take it no more seriously than if Jesus himself was standing before you and speaking this truth to you. I believe the Bible is the absolute truth of the Word of God. I believe your Bible is God-breathed. Can you say Amen. I believe it's inspired by God himself, written down by God's men and given to us to share with us truth that will change our lives and eternity. I want you to know this morning you have been confronted with the words of Jesus saying who he is. Your conscience will give you convictions concerning Christ. Maybe that's happening right now. Maybe God the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, letting you know your need for a Savior. Listen, people will give you truth concerning Christ. Those that are close to you, that happens a lot. Maybe that's happening right now. (laughs) Maybe you're getting a hold of truth that will change your life. And let me tell you something, Jesus himself will give you truth that will change your life. Pilate's convictions concerning Christ was based upon some very strong voices. So is ours. Would you agree? Pilate had a decision to make. Not only do I want you to see a que- the question that must be answered, not only do I want you to see Pilate's, the great um, conviction that he had concerning the Lord Jesus, the privilege he had of being confronted with Jesus, But I also want you this morning to see that for you to see the the pressure that Pilate was under because the pressure here was great. Mark chapter number 15. And also look at verse number 15. First of all, you need to see the pressure of public opinion. (laughs) Amen. Look what the Bible tells us Mark 15 15. After so, Pilate willing to content the people. Everybody underline that verse in your Bible right there at the beginning. And so, Pilate willing to content the people. Release Barabbas unto them and deliver Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So, let me ask you something. Why Why did Pilate deliver Jesus to the people? Why did Pilate declare Jesus guilty... And let Barabbas go free and put him on a cross. The Bible says he did it because of the pressure of public opinion. And he said, "Rosa, what's that have to do with us? If Pilate is a representation of how we deal with Christ and the question we must answer, how does that deal with me? Well, let me tell you something. There are a lot of you here this morning, you high schoolers, that are here, and you know that if you make a stand for Jesus, it's going to put you outside the crowd in your local high school." You know, businessman, if you make a stand for Jesus, it's going to put you outside of certain circles at your workplace. You know those on the social ladder. You know if you make a stand for Jesus, you're not going to be invited to some of the popular parties that you want to be invited to. And so a lot of times, we make our decision concerning Christ, what we're going to do with Him, based upon public opinion and popularity. Now, I know we want to get on our kids about that, and we say, well, you can't worry about what everybody else thinks. But a lot of times, it's not the kids that are doing that. It's parents that do that. It's adults that make those decisions to reject Christ and go the way of the world. And that's exactly what happened with Pilate. He was under the pressure of public opinion. But let me tell you something else. He was under the pressure of his possessions. Because his possessions were many. Remember, he had a high ruling place in the Roman government. He was over a province of Rome. And with that came great power. And with that came great possessions. Not only did Pilate know it, but the Jews also knew it. Look in John chapter 19. In verse number 12, brothers, if you will please. John 19, verse number 12. Watch what the Bible says here. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if, they, if you let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever make himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So do you see what the Jews say to him? If you let him go, because that's what Pilate wanted to do. Now why did you want to let him go? Because he, being a judge, judged rightly that Jesus was not at fault. He being a judge, judged rightly that the only reason Jesus was put before him because they were jealous of him. And when he sought to let him go, they all cried out and said, Well, if you let him go, we're going to tell Caesar that you let a man who claimed to be king go, and he's the only one that's king. Pilate knew if they did this, he was going to lose his power. Pilate knew if he did this, he was going to lose his possessions. And so because of the pressure of power and possessions, Pilate chose to reject Jesus and find him guilty. Do you see it? Pilate was under a lot of pressure, a pressure to make a decision. And folks, I hope and pray this morning you're under some pressure. I hope the hound of heaven is on your trail I hope God is bringing conviction to your heart, conviction through your conscience, conviction through the spoken word of others, conviction from God the Holy Spirit, Christ Himself working in your life, even at this moment. We need to see... Pilate's pressures that he was under because that's the same pressures that we too find ourselves under when making our decision and answering our question, what are we going to do with Jesus? But also I want you to see Pilate's pandering. You you know what pandering is. If you have any interest in politics, you certainly know what pandering is. It's flip-flopping. It's doing what's popular Depending on the crowd you're speaking to or you're around. Right? Not really standing strong, but just kind of being a middle-of-the-road type guy. That's what Pilate tried to do. Let me tell you how he tried to do it. First of all, Pilate tried to do it by simply admiring Jesus. Let me give you some scripture. Look what it says in Luke, in Luke's account of the crucifixion. Luke 23 verses 14 through 15. Brothers, put that on the screen. Luke 23, verses 14 and verse number 15. He said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people, and behold, I exa- having examined him, have found in no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. So really what Pilate's saying is, look, you brought him to me for no reason. This man has not done the things that you said he's done. Look at the 15th verse. No nor yet Herod, for I sent to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. Jesus has done nothing worthy of death. As a matter of fact, I really admire this man because he's told me the truth is what he's saying. Years ago, I read something that Leonard Ravenhill said. If you get a chance to read anything that Leonard Ravenhill wrote, then read it. One of the greatest preachers That I've ever read. I I love Leonard Ravenhill. But he said when it comes to Christ. You can't just tip your hat to him. You can't just admire him as a good teacher. You can't just admire him as a good moral man. You can't just admire him for all the great things he did. You can't just admire him for all those things. You have to make the decision. To believe who he claimed he was. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and God the Son. He proved those claims by the things he did. Healing blinded eyes and causing deaf ears to hear and raising up dead people and walking on water. And finally, by conquering the tomb. Now you have to make a decision and I have to make a decision on what we believe about that. Whether to accept it by faith or reject it in disobedience. But we're all going to make a decision today. Just like Pilate did. Pilate tried to admire him. But not only did he try to admire him. He tried to ignore him. <laughs> and this one right here speaks to people that, that I've talked to um, many, many, many times. They try to ignore Jesus and what he's done and who he is. John 18, 31. John eighteen thirty one. Pilate pretty much says, take him and judge him by your own law. I'm done with this stuff. I'm tired of messing with it. I've already sent it. He's come before me. I sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to me. I'm pretty much done with dealing with it. You take him and judge him according to your law. I'm ignoring the whole situation. Let me tell you something. You can only do that for so long. You can ignore what I'm saying today, you can leave this place. Go your way, do your thing, live your life. That's only going to work for so long. There's going to come a time when you're at the end of your life and you know there's going to be an end to my life and there's going to be an end to your life. There's going to come a time When you close your eyes in death and you will no longer be able to ignore who Jesus is, what he's done. Now the problem is the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 that it's appointed unto death, appointed unto man once to die. What's he saying? We all have an appointment with death that we're going to keep. And I know what you think. Well, brothers, well, I've got a long time to live. I mean, I, I plan on living until I'm 98. When I'm 98, and I've, I've lived all the life that, that, that I want to live and done all the things I want to do. Then when, when I'm 98 years old, I'm going to um, <clears throat> take uh, slippers off and slide them under the bed crawl up under the covers, and right before I fall off to sleep, I'm going to get everything right with God and slip off out into eternity and live forever with the Lord. That's how people think sometimes. Now listen to me. You don't have to be 98 to leave this walk of life. It can happen at 58, or 38, or 28, or 18, or 8. You don't know when that appointment's coming. Heed the warning today. Stop ignoring Jesus. Stop just admiring Jesus. And trust in Jesus. Go back to Matthew 27 and we're done. Matthew 27. Verse number 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Pilate made his decision on what he would do with Jesus. He pronounced judgment, pronounced Jesus guilty, washed his hands of the whole thing and says, I'm done with it. Now, the problem is, Pilate left there that day with clean hands and a dirty soul. And by all accounts, there was never a time that Pilate trusted in the Savior. And so in today, in, today, in hell, he lifts up his eyes. Are you hearing me? There's a decision he had to make. A question he had to answer. There's a decision you've got to make. And a question you've got to answer. A decision I have to make. A decision I have to answer. Now listen though. Your decision, my decision, has consequences. For those who trust in Jesus, the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 36 says, he who hath the son but hath life, but he who hath not the son hath not life. And the wrath of God abides on him. Your decision has consequences. Make the right one. I want you to quit worrying about public opinion. Let me tell you something. The people that you are so worried about offending, the people that you want so much to be involved with, They didn't die for you.